This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, the election is starting to get a little bit nasty. Former Liberal MP Dan McTagg shares his insight on the tone of the election and why inflation needs to be tackled by the government. Plus, a little bit of inside baseball as to the way politics work. PlayStation just announced all the video games. Playing Kylo highlights those amazing games, plus a new Wolverine game and more, including all of your favorite iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch technology pieces. What's new? What's awesome? What's not? Are you okay with Nicki Minaj? Probably not, let's be honest. But she's been up to no good online. Somewhat entertaining. It's time for Are You Okay? Are you okay with taking a leave of absence? Hell yes. How about tomorrow? Yeah. <laughs> How I do I file say. for this? Yeah, let's get this uh, let's get this in motion. Actually, I've never I've always admired people who took a sabbatical. Like, I'm just gonna go away for a year and I'm so good at my job, you're gonna wait for me to come back. Like, that's mm-hmm. a level of courage that I just don't know. Yeah, I know. It's pretty impressive. I mean, neither. Like, when I take mm-hmm. a week off, I'm uh, at the end of the week. Feel I kind of look at, yeah, I kind of look at the rundowns to see if I've been replaced altogether. <laughs> I, yo, same, Brandon. I was me in Vancouver trying not to think about work and then also going, okay, how replaceable am I? Is this okay that I'm gone for a week? Right? It's okay, right? You'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. All right. Well, I think a leave of absence, if you need to take one, is probably appropriate. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, depending on your job. I mean, if you're the only anesthesiologist in your community, you probably got to yeah. wait until there's backup. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, since we're talking about leave of absence, uh, there's this one guy in Australia. Oh. Oh, oh. Shane, he'll cheer you right up. Oh. Just drive from town to paradise and you'll see why we call Australia home. Australia. Australia. You're right, that does make me feel good. Good. I'm glad. I'm genuinely glad. One guy in Australia took a 30 year, 30 year. 33-0 year. Wow. Leave of absence from prison. Oh. <laughs> did you like how I did that? <laughs> That's pretty good. I like that. Well written. Yeah. But he just returned to his post. Darko Desic walked into a police station in Sydney because COVID-19 left him without a job. Here's more from 7 News. Well, Darko Desic had been on the run for three decades and was flying under the radar here on Sydney's northern beaches, working as a local handyman. Police say he'd been hiding out in Avalon working for cash after he escaped from Grafton Prison in 1992. He was just 13 months into his three-and-a-half-year sentence for growing cannabis when he used a hacksaw and bolt cutters to break out. It's understood he made the daring move because he was scared he'd be deported to his home country, Yugoslavia, at the end of his sentence. He'd fled to Australia to avoid fighting in the war and it's likely if he'd returned, he would have been punished. 
The now 64-year-old gave himself up on Sunday at DY Police Station after his cash-only work dried up due to the pandemic. He was known as Dougie to locals and never caused any trouble. Everybody says hello to everybody down here, so, you know, if he was a bad man, nobody would know. It's amazing that lockdown will be enough to get somebody to go back into prison after 30 years. That it's so bad outside that he'd be better off in prison. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I have to listen very closely to the Australian people. To what they say, it's it's a little tough sometimes. Uh, later on in the show, I have a clip of another Australian thing, and I I I wish I could have subtitles for radio mm-hmm. because it's that thick of an accent. Mm-hmm. I did actually get a voice note from my friend uh, in Ireland last week where I had to ask her to send it again because <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> understand it. I can understand so. you. Uh, so anyway, okay, cool. This guy goes back to, he goes back to prison. He slept on the beach on Saturday night and said, stuff it. I'll go back to prison where there's a roof over my head. A source told a local paper. Desic maintained a low profile. Once mentioned on Australia's Most Wanted 2, a true crime TV program that ran for a decade until 1999. Until someone, after someone reported seeing him at Nowra. 120 miles south of Sydney. He will serve his remainder of his sentence, but it's unclear whether he'll be deported to Yugoslavia, which does not exist anymore. That's a good point, too. <laughs> That's how long he's been like away from jail, as the country he fled from no longer exists. That's cool. Damn. Yeah. It got to be hard up, though, to think, oh, I'll go back to prison. At least I get a warm yeah. bed. Are you okay? Hey, this story. Are you okay with Nicki Minaj? Well, no. No, I wasn't before this week either, to be honest. So Okay. Nicki's got some hits. Nicki's got some bangers. All right? Her underground stuff before she went mainstream is crazy good. And she's got a couple of great songs. I love Anaconda. I know it's a bad song, but I think it's a fun song. No. And her feature on Monster by Kanye West is one of the best rap features of all time. So, in very small doses, I'm okay with her. But I would say genuine, mm. generally, not so... Yeah, see, this song is horrible. I hate this yeah, but song. You can't go and say, I like an artist because they sang with Kanye West, which is kind of what <laughs> oh, you no, do. Oh, no, Kanye's barely on that song. It's it's Nicki's song. It's Kanye has, like, three lines. It's all really? Nicki on that song. Oh, yeah, man. I would play it if I could. Right? And Anaconda is not about a snake. (laughs) Yes, I'm uh, well aware of that. (laughs) Uh, Is there a clean version of it? Oh, there is. Anaconda don't, my Anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hon. Boy, Sway, Sway, used to live in Detroit. Big dopes in the money, he was getting some coffee. I love this song, man. It's Okay. That's, yeah, we're good. I'd like to apologize to everybody who uh, found that uncomfortable. You're not alone. Well, Nicki Minaj is famous for her bars, her personality, her loud clothing, actually, and now her tweets. Unfortunately, they were very weird tweets, too. Minaj is facing public backlash after she tweeted that a friend of her cousin developed swollen testicles and impotence after getting vaccinated against COVID-19. 
Where did he get vaccinated? Um, In a series of tweets on Monday, the 10-time Grammy-nominated rap artist told fans she would only get immunized once she did enough research and recommended that they wear masks and get the shots if they're required to for work. First off, vaccines that make your testicles swell up? No. Here's Dr. Sanjay Gupta from CNN explaining that part. Well, (laughs) so her cousin's friend who has... uh, Orchitis is the term, medical term for swollen testicles. Um, you know, I, I have no doubt that this this is something that has happened to this individual, and also have no doubt really that it's not related to the vaccine. I mean, that that that's the thing is you get a lot of people out there who have these these uh, you know you got thirty two percent of the country of Trinidad vaccinated. You're going to have people who have concomitant issues with the vaccine that have nothing to do with the vaccine. She so. I, I don't think that that's a problem. People are going to read about that vaccine causing orchitis or swollen testicles. That's not a thing. That's not something to worry about. Uh, what causes orchitis, what I've read anyway, and just remember I'm not a doctor, is STIs and uh, dogging it, if you will. Oh. Um, so uh, anyway, the, the tweet was about uh, basically how the vaccination ruined the relationship and they were engaged to be married. And when then they broke up afterwards because she found out about a swollen testicles and all these things. When in fact, uh, the doctors online anyway have said he probably had an STI. That's probably what happened. Ugh. It also explains the breakup. Yeah, Just saying. Yeah. Okay. Well, in a subsequent tweet, Nicki Minaj also said she was sure she'd eventually get vaccinated in order to go on tour. Trinidad and Tobago Health Minister, where she's from, uh, Terence uh, Dale Singh, says no cases of testicular swelling due to COVID-19 vaccination were reported in the country following an investigation. Unfortunately, we wasted so much time yesterday running down this false claim, uh, Dale Singh said. In a press conference on Wednesday, adding, we didn't respond on Tuesday because we had to check and make sure it was true or false, as we take these claims very seriously. The Caribbean island is currently battling a Delta strain and vaccine hesitancy, according to the Trinidad Express. So, the government came out and said, hey, fella. (laughs) This one's on you, pal. (laughs) <laughs> that's embarrassing when he's that's trying rough. every way in the world to get around the fact he had a little, a little side hustle little, yeah, going on there wow anyway good luck with that and don't listen to ryan even with kanye Nicki minaj is not great i'm telling you i'm gonna sh- i'm gonna put next time we're in the car next time we're on the road trip i'm forcing you to listen to that song and you're gonna look at me and you're gonna go okay on this one song it's okay just, no, I'm yeah. glad I'm a province away. I'll just, I, I won't be on. We're going to be blasting it so loud you're going to hear it. That's how loud we're going to blast it. As the owner of the automobile, no. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> Are you okay with bathroom breaks? Yep, I'll be yeah, right back. I'll be right. Oh, you stole Look my joke! Look at you guys! Look oh, at that! Wow! Oh. Wow! Hey! Damn. All right, we're out of material. That's it. Oh, Show's done. We're here all week, folks. Sometimes you just got to go. Oh, dear. Oh, we're refilling, apparently, too. Uh, sometimes you just got to go, even if it's at a very in, uh, even if it's at very inconvenient timing. Okay. 
Kelly Clarkson had a handful of special guests on a recent episode of her own Kelly Clarkson show, including her daughter, River, her five-year-old son, Remington, and Coldplay's Chris Martin. Oh, what a crew. I'm actually just going to... Is that still running? Enter- the toilet yeah. still, still, still running. running yeah. <laughs> we should probably get that seal checked. <laughs> yeah. um, so Chris got up on stage and started singing that song for River. Nope. River is a big fan of Coldplay. In fact, Yellow by Coldplay is her favorite song. So Chris got up on stage and started singing that song for River, and her family joined in, except for Kelly's son, Remington, who was very quiet. Then, remember, this is on TV, he made an announcement. And something... And it was all yellow. So then I took my turn. I need to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Me too. And it was all yellow. Yeah, man. Come on. You go to the bathroom. You go. That's perfect. What a great little kid. Yeah. And I appreciate Kelly's joke. I mean, if they're going to be singing any song and be interrupted by yeah, a bathroom break, perfect. Yellow's a pretty mm. good one. It appears that Remy was able to get off the stage to the bathroom and Martin was able to get back to singing. But that's wicked. That's life, man, happening right there. Also, can you imagine being a kid and your mom's just hanging out with, you know, Chris Martin singing on stage, just kind of batting around a little acoustic session? That's a strange childhood. Yeah. Um, so pretty cool. Very cool. Are you okay? Are you okay with drones? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I think the way in which we employ drones right now, I don't know. They take away jobs. They, they're used in terrible military things. I'm not a huge fan of the way we use drones these days. Hmm. Uh, very good. All very good points. I think drones, yeah, have the potential to be really cool. Uh, but, yeah, I, I don't really see the appeal of having a drone or an RC, like a plane or anything that you can fly from the ground because I would just crash it immediately because it's not like video game format for me. You know, I can't see the plane. I can have to look at it from the ground. I don't know. Well, no, you, when you fly Not a drone, me. I mean, they have a camera on them. So you just look at the camera display and you can see where you're going. Like you can see it from that view that you want. Okay. How about this? I will buy a drone that is also a TIE fighter from Star Wars. That is a drone will. I will fly. Yeah, you'll fly that one for sure. My daughter has a drone that's Millennium Falcon. Ooh. What? Yeah. It's made of foam. Yeah. It's like the like <laughs> the pancake of mine. It's, it's, it's for inside the house. This is a fun little remote control thing. And it's a quadcopter with a foam. So there's the four propellers are inside the Millennium Falcon and you yeah. just buzz it around the house. That's wicked. It is have, super fun. I would be so annoying with that thing. People would just be trying to like, you know, Jamie, my roommates just like doing his homework. And then I would just like have the star Wars soundtrack and pretending to be Han Solo. I might have to make a little trip on Amazon after this already. Yeah. Okay. You can also get remote control airplanes that have cameras in the front, right? And in the tail and you wear the goggles, the VR goggles and you fly the Whoa. plane. That's wicked. 
right? So you can see literally as you're flying where you're flying. Wow. See? Fun, right? Yeah. I had a drone. Well, I have a drone, but I'm pretty sure the batteries are shot. But I had a really nice one, and it had a 4K camera on it, gimbal. You could fly at all kinds of places. The range wasn't great, though. Some of them could go like five miles, yeah. three miles, five kilometers. Wow. And um, so you can just literally fly. you got to check your local rules, by the way, because it's terribly illegal to do it. But, yeah, I mean, take some pictures, some sunset photos on a lake from about three or 400 feet up. It's really quite nice. Yeah, yeah, I guess like in that case, when they're used for like filming and things like that, they're very useful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Okay, I've softened. I took, I've softened on drones. I went canoeing in Vernon, me and my kids, and I put the controller in the backpack and you can set it to a setting where it captures you on the screen and then it just follows you. So we're canoeing across the lake. And Damn. it just followed us and recorded video of us canoeing from above and behind and from the side. See? Yeah. Not so bad. For, for those cool. without the video portion, Shane was just, he was acting out canoeing there live. Yeah, it was very good, yeah. wasn't it? It was, it was very yeah. good, yeah. Okay, so now Ryan, because he declared on the shift last week that his marijuana consumption is so extremely high, um, there was some perception that Ryan's a, a dopey. Uh, like hardcore. Wow. <laughs> he might like this. Our, our, so our boss gets in a meeting and goes, Ryan, I had no idea you smoke so much weed. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I am a moderate. Oh, okay. yeah. uh, but I can understand why it'd be perceived that way, yes. Flying drones for fun, making movies, home movies. They're super fun to do. I mean, they're pilot little guy around. What about delivering drugs? I mean, Ryan would probably appreciate that. Jesus. According to police in Virginia, someone was trying to use a drone to deliver drugs and other sketchy things inside of a local prison. I've heard of this. They must have mixed up the ad, the ad, address. <laughs> there it is. The address? We were doing pretty good. We were doing, we were doing so really good. well. Were we? Really, though? All right. Sorry, I had to double-check Nicki Minaj wasn't still playing. That's a typo. Nobody wants to hear that. Well... They actually delivered the package to a school, not the prison, so they clearly must have screwed it up. Here's more from CBS 6. It was about 5.45 Monday morning. I pulled in and looked around. The witness says he was near Brunswick Academy, a private school. It was still dark outside when the flight is believed to have gone off course. Green light was just on the ground, and a car pulled around behind me came around and went up the driveway down to uh, passing the door, opened up, and they scooped it up, and they moved on. But they missed this. So with daylight... That's when they found this big bundled package. Sitting here in the parking lot of the school. It weighs about five pounds. It's wrapped in black electrical tape, and it has a, a hooking device. Which is within sight of the Lawrenceville Correctional Center. Based on history and based on intel, we're, we're quite confident the package was supposed to go inside the Lawrenceville Correctional Center, the, the geo prison, we call it. The drone was carrying a package that contained marijuana, tobacco, cell phones, and a USB-C to lightning converter. Apparently, that prison has had to deal with multiple drone-related issues this past year. Ryan says, I guess this pilot was still earning his four propellers, which I think you mean wings. No, because wings is what you you know get as a as a plane, but drones yeah, have yeah, four propellers. So Yeah. 
It's the Shift Podcast. Well, here we are. We're a couple of days away from the election in Canada. We thought we'd check in with Dan McTagg and see what's going on. Dan McTagg, former Liberal MP from just outside Toronto and joining us here on the Shift to give us some insight and a last look. Dan, things are starting to get nasty in the election. <laughs> that was never expected, was it? <laughs> never. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's the fun part. It's the mudslinging right up until Sunday night, I think around seven or eight o'clock. Uh, fortunately, I think most people have tuned out. They've already heard it. Um, those who are committed to always voting liberal will always vote liberal, especially in Toronto. Uh, but the uh, the rest of the country, I think uh, we're going to see a bit of an upset. Um, a lot of con- liberal support outside of uh, the 416, I think, uh uh, in in areas out, just outside of you know metropolitan Montreal, uh, I think even in Vancouver, it's fair to say that uh, liberal seats are very much uh, uh, up for grabs, and it's uh, not just of course conservatives being pushed aside a little bit by the PPC. It's the NDP that's uh, moving up, and that uh, has to be uh, very reminiscent of where the liberals were somewhere between 2008 and 2011. They weren't completely wiped out, but uh, uh, it was getting a little tight for them. So uh, I don't think the prime minister is going to get a majority, but you know, who, what do I know? I just know that the pollsters who are saying that happen to be strong liberal confidants. In fact, uh, Shane, I got to tell you about one main street coming out saying the liberals get 170, 169 seats. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> I thought that was a bit of a stretch. Same uh, poll pollster two or three weeks ago had the conservatives at 38%. Um, that pollster was my campaign manager in 2008 and uh, is an intimate of the Liberal Party, uh, lives and breathes. So anything he can do to uh, give the impression, I think uh, there's a lot more uh, of a political message there as opposed to being objective. Well, is that not you know part of the secret, though, the marketing of the polls to inspire people to get out? Wouldn't you want to say that, hey, we're behind, you need to get out here so you can help us out, get the vote in? Isn't that, isn't that something legitimate that people would want uh, or at least... You know, I don't know if I'm looking at marketing in general. That's how I would look at it. Inspire the base. Maybe, uh, but I think you should declare you're there for the Liberal Party or you're there for the Conservative Party or that you have a partisan no, event. Um, holding yourself out as objective, I think, is, uh, well, at the same time, and I, I would hope that some, a little bit like examination of charities, which the Liberals refuse to uh, to to look into much because many charities and foundations might uh, you know, make a, uh, are you know a significant sieve for uh, green energy organizations out there and green groups uh, advocating from governments. But I think there has to be some kind of accountability for polling firms as well. Uh, most importantly, tell us which contracts you've had over the past uh, you know past uh, six years under this government. Uh, you know, uh, tell us in the same way I would say of, of some of the media. Tell us how much money you're getting from the federal government uh, because it's hard to be objective and be perceived as objective and open and unbiased when, uh, you know, uh, it's right for many people to conclude that you're not going to bite the hand that feeds you. Better yet, you may very well not want to see an end to the gravy train, uh, to use a a Fordism of 10 years ago. You may not see, you know, uh, an end to uh, that access you had to lucrative contracts uh, through the government. So I think the public has, has, it shouldn't be bamboozled with its own money and certainly not by people who are, proffering ideas that uh, really have more basis in political interests of the organization as opposed to canvassing honestly uh, where Canadians might stand on a given issue or on, on, on political support. 
Well, I can only imagine how difficult that is at the CBC. Uh, you know, <laughs> and, I, and I mean, I mean that legitimately. I mean, I, I just to be clear, because I'm not banging on the CBC, because I truly believe there is such a wonderful place for Canadiana as a broadcaster in this com- in this country. So, I mean, I, I'm a big fan, and I think that if it's done right, it's incredibly important. So, just to be clear, but I will uh, cast this shadow of concern that. It must be difficult when as part of the platform is to give the CBC a bunch more money uh, if they get reelected and then you're leading into the election and you're looking at two reporters or two reports and you're going, well, one bangs them up a little bit. One makes it look rosy. That, that's got to be complicated, but that's real human stuff. Pardon the pun on rosy. Yeah. Um, look, I, I'm uh, of a couple of minds on this, but. Uh, we have a new era in which media has been very hard. Uh, you know, legacy media has found it very difficult to survive. Um, but when you have $600 million given out, um, you're beholden, you're bought. And I, I don't care how it comes about, whether we think it's a great idea or not. Uh, the reality is that um, we have to be extremely careful that the, you know, the uh, uh, the fifth estate, the 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 uh, those who hold our representatives to account and can do the deep digging, aren't uh, you know uh, really the uh, the plaything uh, of of politicians. And you know, uh, let me go deeper than that because I have a lot of contacts. I've been around this game for a long time. You know, I know of at least two uh, green favored organizations, papers, who have constant meetings with people like Katie Telford, and they're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars from the federal government. And their idea is that they're the stalking horse for the Liberal Party uh, and its green agenda. Um, so, you know, I, I, I have a real problem uh, with seeing our democracy manipulated that way, uh, because I think it's, it's clear that they lack objectivity. And if you don't have objectivity, then you become something very different journalistically, subjectively. You're always in favor of one side or the other. Whoever, you know, greases your, your rails are the ones you're going to support. Uh, this is really important for a democracy. And I, you know, well, we don't have the time to really deal with all that. The fact of the matter is, I think the prime minister gets away with a lot because he has a compliant uh, group of people who don't have to t- ask the tough questions. They did 20 and 30 years ago when I was there and there was no question, uh, you know, a scandal came out. It, you you were going to be, you're, you were, this was not going to end very well. But I guess all of this really means that the public has less idea of what the major issues are. And I I think one of them appeared today. Uh, Very interestingly, uh, uh, Shane, uh, we've been talking a great deal about climate. That's great. That's wonderful. Um, But affordability is not the issue. Inflation is rearing its ugly head once again. Economic growth is slowing down. Affordability is the issue. And we saw the debate last week. Yes, they talked about affordability, but only in the context of housing. Uh, We see that Energy, gasoline, my topic, up 35% compared to this time last year. Forget, take away the housing and stuff like that. These, uh, you know, uh, groceries, 19%. These are real uh, burdens on people. And there has to be some answers. And there's nothing coming from the canvassers. There's nothing coming from the parties. The idea is just how to address this because there's a chance that this could get out of control. And we wind up like we did in 1981 with runaway inflation. It's not transient. It's not uh, just going to stay the way it is. We could run it, go in a situation where we have no growth and runaway inflation, we call it stagflation. And uh, that's a very hard thing to arrest. I say that because I came in as a budding member of parliament, uh, having to work with the liberals of the day, Paul Martin, Jean Chrétien, uh, to do some pretty unpopular things to prevent uh, our, our country from collapsing, from having the bond you know, takers, uh, holders 
uh, downgrade our, our credit. This has enormous implications for the livelihood of Canadians. And that's another factor that isn't being discussed. It is a little on the periphery, but all of it's uh, about, you know, sniping and baiting each other. We need a media that can ask these questions. Unfortunately, I think it's a media that uh, is not prevented, is prevented. It cannot ask the tough questions, uh, which are extremely important to Canadians, like affordability. And I, that, <laughs> that revelation this morning uh, about the inflation rate at 4.1% should have had that as the first question by every media in this country. I don't think many of them bothered to ask the, uh, the Prime Minister. Well, there was a fantastic interview by Neetu Garcha uh, that she did with Global in Vancouver. And yeah. they talked about, you know, all kinds of different things. And at the end of it, the prime minister said, wait, but we didn't talk about the big issues. Uh, Neetu's response, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, is was basically, we did. We talked about the big issues of what matters to folks in the West Coast. So, you know, this, this idea that, you know, we can dictate what Canadians want to hear from politicians is also an old idea that seems to the sheen is gone, right? Like it's fading away. This idea that, Oh, not only will we fix your problems, we'll let you know what the problems are. And that's been part of the magic tool. Very glib prime minister who again, triggered an election for no good reason at all. Look, I can say that until I'm blue in the face and it is in fact the truth, but let's be honest, a good 30 to 40% of Canadians are there. Just don't give a damn. And, uh, if they like to be controlled, they like to be, they have, they like, a, you know, uh, a mediocre leader, uh, who is trying to lecture people as to what he thinks are the big issues because he can somehow control the media and control the questions. This is a very, very thin-skinned individual. And, uh, you know, I get the idea of throwing rocks and things like that. That shouldn't be allowed in, in a campaign. But this is a fellow uh, who berates, uh, loses his stuff. We saw that in the debate last week. Uh, he doesn't like to be held to account. He doesn't like to be pushed back. Um, we call that a bully. Uh, and it's one of the reasons his caucus, by the way, is uh, uh, is effete. It, it's, it's weak. Uh, it doesn't have the ability to stand up and to express things. In fact, it's so weak that this is the first caucus. That's where, of course, members of parliament of the same party and used to be senators as well would get in the room. Never would you allow anyone from the prime minister's office or the leader's staff to come in and take notes. They were punted. And if you want to take the prime minister out, you wanted to talk about issues and, and say that he's going the wrong way behind closed doors, knowing that this stuff wouldn't get leaked. Sometimes it did, but more often it did not. That was the place to do it. Now, of course, it's not. These members of parliament cannot, and we talked about this last week and the week before, members of parliament cannot speak for themselves. They cannot put out press releases for themselves. They cannot go on uh, debates themselves. They cannot freelance. They cannot be members of parliament without the leader and the blessing of the people around him. So, Look, I, I think we should just end the damn charade and know that uh, it doesn't matter who's on that ballot. Either you like Trudeau uh, or you don't. Uh, and it, I happen to believe that he's the worst prime minister this country has had. And I have a pretty good way of measuring that. I've worked for his father. Uh, I worked for his successors, like Jean Chrétien, Paul Martin, and many other opposition leaders before and during and since. Um, I am convinced that the, the country makes the mistake once again. Uh, it will be an irretrievable position and the, the country is going to be in far more, uh, you know, deeper problems as far as its democracy and its economy than any of us, any of us could imagine. He's deeply divided this country. Uh, he is uh, a very dangerous person for this nation. And I think uh, the country should finally have its fill of, uh, of his woke ways because it's, uh, uh, it's uh, it's divide and conquer with him. And unfortunately, this is a very fragile country. I fought twice to keep it together. 
uh, and was very sensitive to what was happening out west in the early 1980s as well. Uh, but uh, on the Quebec side and on the west side, it seems to me that uh, there's very little holding this together. And if he thinks that he can play divide and conquer, use wedge issues uh, like uh, like abortion, like climate, uh, to go around telling people who's right and who's wrong, that's not leadership. Uh, that's dictatorialship. And we have to be very careful about the opportunists that we now have who's sitting currently as prime minister of this country, at least for the next week. When we look at the the green conversation, climate conversation, that's been diluted by every party. Then you have the Greens who the question was, where do they go next? Anna Mae Paul looked well put together in the debate, and she brought up more so than green reform. And then you look at just what you just said, right? Influence of Quebec, the fact that there's a French language debate only in Quebec, then French language debate across the country, and then only one English debate. And so the question's coming up, and then you get this sort of battle of words between Blanchet and Legault about who should represent Quebec, right? No, the province does a good job representing Quebec. That's enough. So there's a bit of a battle going on over there, too. And one of the people who looks like a champion in all this who's saying, look, if we want to get any of these things done, we need to reform government. Do they come out of this looking like a whole new party? Do you think that she saves some grace there? I fear, though, she's had to walk away from the climate voters to do it. Well, I think she's really touched on something that uh, puts her in a very unique position of being able to say, I I have no skin in the game, but I understand and I see what's happening from the outside looking in. Unfortunately, I think the latest news has that she will probably leave uh, politics altogether after this election, uh, which is a very sad indictment about the state of affairs of our parliamentary process, um, that it is so capricious that good people tend to, with great ideas, and who can seize an, uh, uh, an idea and who can galvanize an understanding, perhaps not even get the votes for it, but at least have people nodding their heads saying, you know what, she's right. Um, if those voices are squelched uh, by political expediency, by, you know, ignorant voters who, uh, you know, are just too busy, or, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, being mesmerized by, you know, socks sobbing and selfies, then we deserve the kind of country we're going to wind up with. And uh, as I said, I, I see it on the economic side. I, <laughs> this, this, this is like a fire bell in the night. There is a tsunami of bad economic news coming and it's going to kick everybody right in the backside. And if they don't act between now and then and limit this, uh, this, uh, uh, this poltroons, this prime minister's uh, uh, power, um, it's likely that we are going to do untold harm to the country and uh, we may not have a country. I, sadly, as that it may be, we may not have enough to, uh, uh, you know, to keep the parts of the country together, especially Quebec. And uh, I would say to a lesser extent, some elements within, uh, within Western Canada. Affordableenergy.ca is your website. So that only makes sense to ask the question. Here we are, a few days left. Has energy been enough of the conversation? Not until today. And it became a very big part of that today uh, when people realized that uh, natural gas prices are at the highest level for September going back to 2008. Uh, The inflation rates are up, growth is down, economic uh, indicators suggest the country is not going to have this massive, uh, uh, you know, this massive retracing and recovery and uh, reset that we thought. it looks like uh, disappointing news is coming down the pipeline, and a lot of it, literally, figuratively, is because we're not selling enough of the things that we have that the world wants. Um, I'm just not sure if the supply chain issue is going to become more so aggravated that it uh, it causes uh, a spike in in the cost of living for everything well beyond what's happened to energy. So uh, it's going to be an issue. 
between now and the election, uh, whether people realize it or not. But uh, when they're paying $1.75 for a litre of gasoline on January 1st, 2023, when they're paying uh, $10, uh, and which would be, you know, perhaps a lot less than we're seeing a year, but when they're paying $10 for uh, a million BTUs of natural gas, um, which will be the highest prices given the time of year, uh, and when we continue to see uh, the cost of living uh, being undermined uh, significantly by the rate of inflation, it's it's only inevitable that people will, will will eventually throw in the towel. Unfortunately, it will be to a large extent too late. There won't be the kind of you know help that we can get traditionally, monetary help. Of course, this is why the prime minister doesn't like to talk about monetary policy because he doesn't understand it. But even if he did understand it, he knows full well um, that's only a matter of time before uh, the gig is uh, ends and uh, our, our numbers are called. Someone is going to call us for the debt that we have accumulated in this country, which is not sustainable, certainly not sustainable without growth. And the only growth you've had is with the oil and gas sector. And you've literally, as my grandfather would have said, dropped your drawers and crapped all over. And for that reason, the country is putting itself in a situation where it doesn't have the means to pay itself back and to get that honor those debts. So I'm seeing a scenario of uh, tight uh, credit tightening, of uh, less ability for governments to borrow, and a major hit on our social programs. So all those folks out there who think they have those hot, you know, jobs for life in the in 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 the hospitals and their healthcare and our education system, had better be very very careful, because uh, the um, the the good times are coming to an end and. Uh, the, um, the ability for the nation to pay for all of these programs is very is very much in peril. Complements of woke green policies uh, that have been very costly and to a large extent detrimental to our economic engines. So how do we look at this on Monday? Uh, liberals have to lose a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Where do they win? Where do they lose on Monday? Because, you know, you're a former liberal MP, so I'm not going to ask you about other parties. But where do they win? Where do they lose on Monday? No. What, if you want to put your guess and put on your uh, your wizard's cap. I see nowhere where the Liberals will gain any seats. Nowhere. Um, I see Liberal votes being, you know, sort of chewed away at by the NDP. Uh, even the Liberals hold a 15, 20% lead in the GTA will not be enough to prevent what's happening in the rest of the province of Ontario, which they're going to lose. Um, and the question is, will the NDP have enough support to deny the Liberals a victory in those marginal ridings, which allow the Conservative to win? Here's the fact, though. If the Prime Minister doesn't come out with the majority, he's, he's dead meat. He's dead in the water. I say that because there's no way there's any goodwill left in that Parliament. And, uh, you know, someone's going to have tell Jack Mead saying that uh, neither Conservative or Liberals can, you know, honestly, uh, you know, uh, agree to his uh, to his agenda of spending 200 more billion dollars of money we just haven't got because we can't honor the first trillion that we've actually incurred. Um, when that happens, uh, it's unlikely that uh, Mr. Prime, the, the Prime Minister, will be able to form a government. He'll either have to go back to the general governor general, we'll have another election, or uh, another person may be called to uh, to to uh, form a government. My guess is that the Conservatives will win an extra 15 to 20 seats, maybe even 30. My guess is that the Liberals will lose at least 20 um, and maybe hold on to a, a very weak minority government, even if it's a strong minority government, but and there is no change. Most people are going to say you caused you cause an election, created all this rancorous division uh, for absolutely no good reason, and the result is pretty much the same, with some exceptions here and there. Um, so short of majority, 
the Liberals are in trouble. And I think it might very well come down to this. Uh, we'll see if the Liberal caucus has any backbone. But if they have been brought this, you know, these shenanigans with this prime minister forcing an election and, you know, doing the divide and conquer. And uh, I guess I'll take what Sheila Kopp said last week in the Hill Times. Uh, this guy is dead weight on the party. And uh, I think smart liberals are going to start to uh, realize it's time to uh, throw him overboard. He isn't the boy wonder he was. He isn't the rock star he was. Uh, he's, in fact, uh, damaged goods. And uh, a lot of Canadians uh, want him gone as a prime minister. Dan McTagg, AffordableEnergy.ca. Thank you very much, sir. I guess now we wait and see, don't we? Well, and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, I'll probably keep uh, my eyelids open with, uh, I don't know, with uh, Q-tips or with, uh, yeah, with toothpicks or something like that. <laughs> I think it's going to be a long night and we'll be watching those ballots coming in. Every ballot's going to count this time. So uh, I take it that is a good thing that uh, you saw a lot more people than dance polls. I think there's a message being sent and it's, uh, it's not one I think liberals are going to be very happy with. This is the Shift Podcast. On the shift, Blaine. How are you, brother? I am doing very well. Uh, are you uh, fall? Fall is really here now, isn't it? It is. It is in a big way. Like, hello. <laughs> I think I have a frost warning. I had to bring my pineapples in, man. Yeah, it's snowing here. Um, not in North Van, but in the in the passes. And I think Whistler is actually getting snow this weekend. You're a skier, though. You must be getting yeah. a little excited. Mm, yeah, it's, it'll all melt between now and when we actually can ski. But the fact that there is snow falling, I don't have a problem with that. You rocking some new headphones there tonight on our Zoom call, sir? Uh, no. No? Maybe I'm just turned in such a way that you can actually see them in ways you haven't before. Really? Oh, they look fancy. I thought maybe we'd get to hear about them coming up in the uh, gadget part of this conversation shortly. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com, S-O-L-O-C-O-R-P-S. If you want to check him out on the Twitter, also on the website, you can uh, get it all on there. So we are gaming to get things started and a plethora of new games coming out. Yeah, it was kind of like E3 in September last week when PlayStation had its little showcase more than a dozen games i mean literally they kind of they they opened the show and then it was trailer after trailer after amazing trailer after oh my god i can't believe that's coming out and oh that looks so good more than a dozen different trailers through the course of about an hour and a bit and there's a couple of things that struck me one you know, we talked last week about how there's this move to remaster and and recreate and and even remake some games to exist on these new consoles. And that was a part of the PlayStation Showcase. So the Uncharted series is getting uh, the last two games in the series, A Thief's Sand and The Lost Legacy. They're getting remastered for the PS5. Um, there was a big surprise that Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, which is like a venerated game from originally from Bioware and Edmonton, it's now being remade by Aspire for the PS5. 
no date on that yet, but I mean, Knights of the Old Republic, it is maybe one of the best adventure role-playing games ever. And being able to play it on a PS5 with some new um, graphics and some new controls is is really kind of exciting. So that was something that happened. Um, something else that happened is Insomniac Games, who we've talked about before, um, because they are responsible for the Marvel Spider-Man and Marvel Spider-Man Miles Morales games that were really awesome. I mean, they came out with Spider-Man and blew everybody's doors off with how they were able to make it feel like you were actually flying through the air as Spider-Man. And then two years later, they came out with a full-on sequel in Miles Morales. And then nine months later, they come out with Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart, which I talked about recently, probably the game of the summer. And now they've got Marvel's Spider-Man 2, which is merging the storylines of the two Spider-Man games that they've come out with into... A similar story. So we get Peter Parker and Miles Morales in this new Marvel Spider-Man 2. And they're also making, and nobody knew this was coming, they're making a Wolverine game. And so that was another trailer that kind of fell on us in the showcase last week. And so all of these amazing things happening. I mean, Insomniac Games, based in LA, wow, are they firing on all cylinders. And if that wasn't enough... We also got a real taste of God of War Ragnarok, and we've got a clip. Time is running out. The prophecies say Fimblewinter leads to Ragnarok. War is coming. My story doesn't end hiding in these woods. I should be out there, finding out who I am, who Loki is. I will not allow you to pick a fight with God. I don't want to fight anyone. I just want answers. And if those answers lead to war with Asgard? Maybe that's what Mother won. <laughs> I love those as much as I love movie trailers. I gotta tell you, this is so cool. Well, this is quite an amazing game. Now, Ragnarok is the sequel to the God of War. It wasn't really a reboot. It was kind of a reboot. God of War started off, Kratos is this sort of anti-hero and he comes from Greek mythology. But then a couple of years ago, when they wanted to reboot the franchise, suddenly Kratos is in the Norse mythology. And not only were the developers able to make that work and have that be logical, but they also came up with one of the best games ever back in 2018. Next year, we get Ragnarok, which is a direct sequel. It takes um, takes up a couple of years later, and Kratos's son, who is sort of got god blood of his own, uh, is trying to figure out what his story is and where he's going. We don't know a whole lot more than what we hear in this trailer, but wow, does it look amazing, and can I hardly wait until that game comes out next year. It's all so mystical, and I know one of the things that we do get feedback about people who are not gaming people They'll say, you know, I just don't get it. I'm not into games. You guys have to talk about games. And then I get 10 times the messages of all the gaming people saying, I love it when you talk about games. But it is all so incredibly mystical. And I don't mean, should we have a game about Uncle Bob who drives his minivan to work today? I don't think we need that. But it is this mystical realm so 
magical, but it might leave some people behind. Or do you see anything that comes in that might, I don't want to say normal, but is a little bit more grounded and simple to understand for those who, I guess Pac-Man is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, and th there are games for everybody, right? Like there's there's the Fortnite games if you want to hang out with your friends. There's the Call of Duty if you want some kind of a military thing. There's all kinds of puzzle and action adventure games. You know, the Uncharted games that I talked about earlier, that's like Indiana Jones being Indiana Jones. The games that I really like you know, they're not necessarily fantastic or steeped in this sort of strange mythology. Um, but that's one of the things that makes games amazing is that you can become other. You can step into the shoes of these amazing things. And it's about power, right? You get to explore all types of power when you're playing these games. I like games that tell me a story and games that enable me to reveal a story as I play. But for every God of War Ragnarok, you've got uh, a, a car racing game, like the the games that are coming from Polyphony for the PS5 and, and the new um, games come, driving games coming out for, uh, for the Xbox. So there are games for everybody. And if you just want to play Solitaire, it's still a game and you're still playing it on a computer. Yeah, it's very clear. I think that's very inviting to everybody who may hear some of the mystical and go, that means I don't like games as opposed to that just maybe you don't like comic books or games that are based around that sort of comic book idea or novels and so on. That's really cool. Although this text message does come in from Nate. He says, Blaine, how come every time I play NHL 2K, I always get drafted by the Kings. I want to play for the Wings. <laughs> Do you no, have an you answer don't. For that? Who wants to play for the Wings? Well, Detroit in 2K, maybe. Detroit hasn't uh, hasn't been good in a long time. Um, I I think that if you're getting drafted by the wrong team, that would probably be the developers suggesting maybe it's time to upgrade. <laughs> time, time for a new time for a new copy. Blaine Kylo is here. The technological world and news in Alberta of. You know, the the restrictions exemption program, which is the vaccine passport essentially program, making it optional for businesses to choose to be part of it. Well, not only in Alberta, but in other places, too, there are some great ways that you can get through this conveniently. And Blaine Kylo had this idea. He's like, Shane, let's why don't we share some shortcuts with your smartphone that can help everybody get through this a little bit easier? So I think it's a great idea, Blaine. Take it away. Yeah, so there's a couple of things. Most of the, you know, across the country, most of the sort of vaccine status things that are being rolled out are QR codes. And that's those sort of square graphics that look like there's a bunch of, you know, scrambled eggs or, or spaghetti all mixed up. Um, and really all it is is it's a machine code. It's a bunch of information that is encoded for machines to read. And if you're going to be using these often to go to movie theaters or gyms or wherever it is that you want to go, that you need to show your vaccine status, you're always pulling out your phone and having to find that image on your phone somewhere. But you can do this um, in such a way that it's easy to do and you're not searching for it all the time. But do not, 
it is highly not recommended to make the QR code your like lock screen or your wallpaper on your phone, because while QR codes are encoded, they are not encrypted. And there's a bunch of personal information in those codes. It's not super sensitive information, but it's your name and your vaccine status and information about where you got your vaccination, information that you need to prove your vaccine status, but information that you don't really need everybody in the world to see. And if you've got this QR code just on your wallpaper, anybody can actually grab that information if they know how to to read the QR code. So don't do that. But what you can do, and I'm not going to go through the process, go to my website at solocore.com and the steps are there. And I didn't come up with these either. Smarter people than me came up with these. There's a technical writer in Vancouver whose Twitter handle is Kim Lee. She's the one who actually came up with the shortcut so that you can, with the tap of one button, have your QR code pop up with the screen brightness really tweaked so that it's easy for people to read. And then you can turn that off again when you're finished proving that status. And another Vancouver person, 604Kev on Twitter, um, came up with the same kind of a thing that you can do if you're on an Android device. You just create a Google Drive file shortcut, similar kind of a thing. And what it means is no matter whether you're Android or iOS, you can, with the tap of a button, have that QR code pop up. You can prove your vaccination status, and then you can put your phone away. You don't have to muck around too much. It's a great idea, and we're all going to need to figure out how all of that works. So thanks for bringing it up. Blaine Kylo, solocore.com to see that and all of the things he talks about. Apple released all their new toys. Yeah, big announcements yesterday. And while the new models of the iPhone 13 are kind of incrementally better than the earlier iPhones, there were some interesting things that were revealed during the event. So all new iPhones, um, they're all getting a new chip, the A15 Bionic chip, which is Apple's own silicon. And so you're getting improvements to battery life and to speed. Um, the iPhone 13 and iPhone 13 mini, which are the simpler phones, they start with double the storage capacity that they used to. They're also getting optical image stabilization that was exclusive to iPhone Pro models in the iPhone 12 era. Um, the iPhone 13 Pro and Pro Max, the big innovations here is they're really, Apple's really giving us the opportunity to shoot professional video with these things. Cinematic mode means that you can actually change the focus of your video after you've already been after you've already shot it. So if you want to change what you're focusing on, you can do that after the fact. And you can also use ProRes video, which is a video format that's used by professionals. So all of a sudden, these pro iPhones can replace some pretty fancy video cameras. Um, the iPad mini gets a real significant upgrade, um, a whole bunch of features that were restricted to the iPad Pro, like a USB-C port, a 5G connection, and the A15 Bionic chip as well. We got a new Apple Watch, the Series 7, which gives us a bigger screen and support for cycling activity tracking, which is new. Um, and the other thing that I thought was really interesting is Apple's really enhancing its subscription offerings. And Fitness Plus is getting Pilates activities now. You're getting guided meditation that you can do with Fitness Plus. And they've got all these workouts to get us ready for snow season. 
So if you're snowboarding or skiing and you want to get ready and in shape for the season, Fitness Plus has got a whole bunch of workouts you can do. See, I see it's coming back to the skiing, Blaine. You notice that? Yeah, I, it's excited. only September. I Maybe I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but... yeah. I don't know. Are stuff. you excited about any of these? Uh, I've been reconsidering getting a watch. I had an Apple Watch when they first came out, and I got rid of it because, for me, it was too distracting. I didn't want to know the buzz buzz. I keep my ringer off all the time, unless I'm expecting a phone call. My kids have the bypass, so they're going to ring through no matter what. If my son were to phone me right now, it would ring on the radio. That's just one of the things that I do. But um, so I've really struggled with trying to keep that distance and distraction from the phone, but I do like everything that comes with the watch. Am I, am I crazy? <laughs> no, you're not. I mean, you'll find your own uses for it. Um, I didn't wear a watch for years because I found I kept looking at it and it made time never progress. It just, every time you look at your watch, it's like, oh, things are taking so long. Mm -hmm. um, but I started wearing an Apple watch and I really like mine for a couple of reasons. One, um, if I'm using Apple maps to navigate, I get little haptic feedbacks, like a little tap on my wrist when it's time to make a turn, which is kind of cool. Um, I do like it for activity tracking. Um, I've got the version of the Apple Watch that connects to the cellular on my phone. So I can actually, if I'm out playing disc golf or something like that, I don't have to carry my phone with me. I can actually take calls on my watch like I'm Inspector Gadget. And um, I can just piggyback on the cellular uh, plan that I've got for my phone. So those things are all really cool. And I have really enjoyed actually wearing my watch to bed because I appreciate getting a little tap on my wrist when the alarm goes off, as opposed to really annoying sounds that might be coming out of other devices. And that's how my Apple watch wakes me up is I get a little tap, 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 tap on my wrist. And that's just enough to wake me up. It doesn't interfere with anybody else in the house and um, nothing shocking for me. It's just a little gentle love tap. Well, the, those are all good tips because I nothing worse than when you have your volume up for some strange reason on your phone and you set your alarms and then you normally you wake up to a nice little quiet like birds cheep, 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 cheep. But then all of a sudden it sounds like an eagle in your ear because you left the volume turned up. Blaine Kylo, it's a technological world. Thank you so much for the tips and the insight. Uh, it's great to see your face. Swear to God, those are new headphones. Thanks for being here, buddy. I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to The Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.